Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Um, so I'm, we came back from the store and, um, cracked open a beer in the car Mm -hmm. and then drove through the center of town. I just wanted to do one loop. You know, I like driving around and, um. You got pulled over with your open beer. No, I didn't. But you—you, I went right past a cop, and and we have a headlight out. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like holy crap! I gotta be. Jeez, that's a tough. That would be a tough way to go down. I mean, I don't even know. I assume it's just a summons because like it was one beer. I wasn't. I haven't had any beers. But um, but yeah. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I yeah. That's housekeeping. So there's there's that one. Two. I had. An incredible night last night. I know. You had so much fun. It was an incredible night last night, and we met a new friend. This is the most intimate, like, not intimately because it wasn't personal or romantic. This is the most detailed, like, it, I guess it's intimate because it's all state secrets. Me and my neighbor, who's a friend of ours, great guy, we went over to the hen house, Steve's bar mm-hmm. in Wyndham, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. It's Wyndham, right? No. No. Okay. It's um, Newton. Yes. Yeah. Newton, New Hampshire. And we had a few beers. And a friend, he invited a friend, came over, who's a mom. Everybody's a mom of somebody. Because right. this is wherever. That's the only way we know anybody. That's the only way anyone. She's, he said she was really cool. We're co- we'll, we'll call her uh, Madison. Okay? Okay. Because I don't want to. So many people who listen to us probably know her, probably whatever. Right. Um, and so she came over and joined us and she's in her early forties mm-hmm. and is divorced. Right. And, um, kind of seen somebody, I think, but and that's kind of what I want to get to. It was a fascinating conversation. 
he had told me that she's really cool. In the moment she arrived, first of all, she's really beautiful. Um, it's neither here nor there, but it that probably was. I mean, you're a lot more interested in finding stuff out about beautiful people, right? <laughs> I guess if she was the equivalent general. of me, I would not be interested in her sex life. But so she's really beautiful. But the first thing she said was. Yep, guys, uh, apologize. I'll be wearing this hat. I haven't showered, and I've been a total mess today. I'm disgusting, and I and uh, I got here as soon as I could, but I figured I'd just jump out and hang out with you guys. I thought, oh, there you go. Already you know. You know, the right. I haven't showered. I'm a mess. Is like, okay, this is someone we can talk to, you know? Because mm-hmm. one of the problems is in a nice town like this, and I know it's very desperate housewives, but there's, there's a lot of people who, first of all, there's a lot of people who literally are living perfect lives. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of people who are really desperate to show you that they're living perfect lives. Right. Who maybe are or aren't, but... Right, who maybe really aren't. And then there's people like us in our neighbor who are not living perfect lives. And have no pretense. Have no pretense. <laughs> Thank God we have a fence that covers most of our backyard or else everybody would see front and center that we certainly don't live perfect lives. So we got to talking... Uh, uh, to her, uh, just about relationships and dating, and we got like we we talked. We t- nothing was off the table. Like I haven't had a. First of all, I, I was I haven't had a conversation like this this open ended about every intimate detail, including sex and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I know you guys are th- th- a lot of you are like, oh, here goes Tom being creepy again. This is you would have wanted to be in this conversation, not mm-hmm. to find out stuff about me, but to find out stuff about her and just like how women think and how they operate. And I have so much, I have so much um, empathy for her. She's single, right? She's beautiful, which I think is not helping her. Hmm. And she's having to deal with these issues of having like a boyfriend. One of the boyfriends that she's she's uh, she's has or or kind of is off again. Like it's, I think she broke up with him last night. Is almost fifty years old. She's forty two. She doesn't look for. She looks about thirty two. Mm-hmm. And he acts, he has no kids. She has three kids. The not having kids, being 50 and not having kids and trying to date, if you're somebody who has kids, that's not a, like, I just feel like that's such a non-starter. Well, totally. In a good reason. Unless they want to have kids. Right. In a good reason, even though, like, the, the guy apparently was, like, nice to her kids and whatever. But, like, you, he's expecting her to act like like normal women Without kids, right. and she's not. She's a mom with kids, wide ranging ages, so she's got a thousand things. And it's like people don't understand. And we literally talked about it, like ways that you, if you have kids, like you may. And thankfully, our daughter's not one wall over. Like people don't understand. It's all pragmatic. Everything is pragmatic. It's rolling cluster bleeps. Getting through the day, rolling cluster bleep, bleep, getting through another day. And stuff like sex, you know, which when you're in a relationship without kids, something you can set up, you can go out and have a couple of cocktails, you right. can do you can all sorts of things. No. When when it, when it's a rolling cluster bleep of chaos, it is three minutes and eight seconds with perhaps even a kid <laughs> like around. You know? It and it is it's literally Bang bang, basketball, Dunkin' Donuts. Next thing, back here. Try to clean out somewhere else. That it's it's. Yeah. And so like this guy was, 
she's just trying to get through her life. He's Im- he's um, insecure. Mm. He doesn't like that she wears certain yoga pants to the gym. Thinks that she's like showing off. Wonders if she's hitting the, on the HVAC guy who's over fixing stuff. It's like, imagine having to deal with that level of freaking 20, like 22-year-old relationship stuff. Right. Like, oh, you got to worry about you hitting on the HVAC guy. It's like, we're barely, you, you, when you're having kids, you, you're barely getting, doing, uh, like moving. Mm-hmm. Barely. And so that's why we had like such a great conversation in depth, all stuff like, Stuff that like works for you and I, intimate stuff that I had no business telling anybody else, but she's a safe person to tell. Right. And she told us like stuff as well that she likes to do, what she demands like sexually from men, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And she's, this is, it was just like a, an honest talk. It was not, and it wasn't guys, we weren't drooling all over, oh, tell us the next thing. We were just having a ball. And, no, it wasn't, um, what's it called? Call her daddy. No. Conversation. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, not at all. It's three really tired people kind of tying one on, having fun, just being, having an honest, open forum about stuff. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, Morgan says when you're a parent, it's hit the gas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah, yeah, exactly, Morgan. And you also know, like, we'll say for, uh, what did I say her name is? <laughs> Morgan? No, no, not called? Morgan. No, the woman's name. No, I know. Is that what you said? You made up a name. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. I don't remember now. Madeline, whatever. Um, it was really, she, essentially, she said that because the time is closing, and this is the kind of things, time is, at any time, kids can fly in and out of the house, at any time something can happen. So essentially, she's on top. Does her thing. It, which is a pretty much consensus, I think, for women is kind of the way to do to do the thing. Okay. <laughs> well, no, no, I think it is. I think okay. that's like to get to the point. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And because every second counts here, she, it has to be efficiency. And and then a guy obviously is gonna get to the is gonna hit the gas <laughs> regardless, unless he has a terrible showing like me. Um, but. Like, but this, like, the boyfriend mm-hmm. doesn't understand why things have to be segmented and so pragmatic and, like, and so unemotional. Some doesn't, because he doesn't have the kid. He doesn't understand right. that everything is a time bomb. It's like people who don't have kids and you go to a restaurant with them with your kids and they don't know why, like, you're failing stressed. Because when you go with little kids to a restaurant, the timer is running immediately before right. the kid explodes. And either mom or dad has to go out and like go to the car, which is which is a shattuck. We got a new one. who will be doing it soon. <laughs> and like in these people, just don't they don't they just don't get it. They just you do not know it until you're until you're in it. Mm-hmm. Like I, for instance, um, Morgan and Alicia. It's Alicia, not Alicia. It's not, Alicia. It's Alicia. Yeah, uh, I just didn't know if it was pronounced differently. Um, but like. Those two, they have kids and a thousand things going on. So obviously they have a routine. They know it. You know, right. I'm not talking just sex. I'm just talking about with anything. <laughs> they have a routine. You're just moving people, you know, moving p- p- people, going to work and this, that, that, that. And if you have somebody who comes from the outside world, they're not going to understand. They're not in fighting shape. Like, it's, that's what mm-hmm. it is. We're in combat as, as parents. <laughs> well, right. And I think, too, it's like hard enough 
to be like that for your own kids and to understand why you have to sacrifice all this like time and energy and like the sanctity of all your stuff. I was somebody had a Twitter post today talking about how kids ruin all your stuff and somebody <clears throat> said like I feel like they should warn new parents this yeah. so it's not a total shock that everything you love gets destroyed. Yes. But um That's the the title of your children's <laughs> book. It's totally true. <laughs> um but I think that I think that it's hard enough to learn how to like sacrifice all those things when it's your own kid but when it's somebody else's kid that you fundamentally like don't care about that much Mm -hmm. it's like almost an impossible barrier i think there are people that do overcome it and become you know second parent figures to other people's kids obviously there are people that do it but i think it takes kind of a special person to be able to do that yes because i think that for most people like being a parent and everything that comes with it is like hard enough to do when it's your right your own child that came out of your body and like you you like them a lot and it's still hard oh totally so that's why there's like there'd be no place for somebody with insecurities it's like that we don't we're not doing this we don't uh, insecurities over hvac guy possibly sleeping with you mm-hmm. is not something we have time for those go away all these things that most relationships have when you're married and you've got kids you have no time for the luxuries of having squabbles about this thing or that thing those right those matter like for instance she was saying she was saying that this that this guy um um that oh oh, no you know what he was doing he wanted her to go out i'm gonna get her in so much trouble if he's listening to this he wanted her to go out she didn't want to go out with him so he started sending her all these texts with another woman who wanted to hook up with him this is somebody who's 50 years old doing this crap I mean, that would be like, <laughs> that is garden variety Tom Shattuck insecurity move if that, had there been texting in 1997. <laughs> and it's like, wow, she's got to put up with that. So anyway, she's made the decision to to not, to, to d- dump this guy. So, and I thought about, okay, you know what? I could hook her up with one of my friends mm-hmm. who lives far away, lives in Boston. Um, and we'll call him Mike Alice. Okay. And I thought, you know what? He's perfect for her. And do you know why? Mm-hmm. Why do you think he'd be good for her? Uh, he has kids. Well, he has kids. He was, his life has been destroyed through a divorce, so he's nice and dead inside. <laughs> so he's seen he's seen the battle. He's mm-hmm. shell-shocked. He's kind of dumb. And a little racist. Which would make him interesting. Because she's technically <laughs> Colombian. A good person. Well, she's a good person. Yeah, I'm sure. But, and you know what? He also, he likes to have a good time and likes good music and likes women. True. And really, like, for somebody like her, what else do you want? No issues. No, I can't believe you're seeing other guys. You sleep with the VAC guy. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. He's a fun guy. It's like, it's like the only the only problem I have against it. Is this part of me that's still in 1995 and I don't want him to win, even though I'm not in this contest? <laughs> and I'd be really giving him a really quality per- person. And that hurts me a little bit. Should I be? Although I do owe him. He did help me last year. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to hook them up. And she was not, by the way, I told her that he's kind of dumb and kind of racist. And she was like, oh, I can work with that. It's like, <laughs> because at this point, at this point, she just wants a man who's not another child. Right. And he can deliver that. Can you, are you here? 
Or what are you doing I am over here. there? I'm looking at the chat. Okay, can you tell me <laughs> about the chat and the rest of us listening about the chat? <laughs> no. Well, read it. No, it's inappropriate. Every, well, change it out. There's, there, this is not for you to be doing your own thing during the show. You have to share some of this stuff. Okay. Uh, let's see. Morgan says that um, in some cultures they just have a single room. And the parents have to oh, yeah, do yeah, stuff yeah. Oh, yeah. with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. That's something that people without kids would never understand. Um, and he says his boys are 13 and 14, and he tells them not to come into his room unless they want to see him having their mom. <laughs> <laughs> so. that's great i bet you it works <laughs> he said it's worked so far oh i'm sure i'm sure if, dude if we ever declared that you and i were going to be intimate my daughter would evacuate this house <laughs> and be six towns away in 11 minutes yes true yeah no oh uh, yeah i hear you she doesn't even like when we like say each other cute or anything like that oh no she's upset about it yeah well it's also she she is mad about all these boys. Right. Like more new babies. All of And by the way, don't have another one. Don't pull this crap out. I'm not. Son, you, <laughs> you set me up the last one. That was a perfect hit. Sabotage. You set uh, me up. Okay, so... Oh, um, okay, so we're going to... Why did I go through this? I'm Faith Moore is going to listen to this and be like, what am, why is this? So we talked to Faith Moore, who's our friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, she does... And she's she wrote the book... Um, a Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. which we talked about um, a couple months ago. She is an author and an editor. She's a big, she's a big bookie kind of person, and she's also just a a, a, a lovely person. And also, like a mom who gets it. She is too. a mom who totally gets it. Even though her her bookcase behind her looks way too perfect for me, I wonder if she had somebody come by and do it. It's really it's, that's a smart person's bookcase. I gotta get. I'm gonna do that from now on. We're gonna put books behind you. We're putting books behind me. Smart. That's per- people such books. a lie for I you. I know. I know. Yeah, it'll all be like Judy Blume books, <laughs> the, the, the real ones I read. You <laughs> can buy online, um, like cases of books by color. I'm gonna so go, but Faith has pan- panache. I'm gonna go by whichever one she buys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she started a new podcast. Um, reading time is it? Reading time podcast. Is that Story what's time it? for Story, grownups. Story time for grownups. Um, and check it out. So I I now, um, I've subscribed to the podcast. I follow her now, mm-hmm. so I get that. Um, it's one of the only non-news podcasts I get because it's very soothing. It's a, and it's, it wouldn't be something that I would ever think I'd like, but it, she reminds me of when you read to me. Mm-hmm. It's very soothing. I, it To me, I can visualize it like a movie. Right. She's got a very good delivery, and she's very smart. What else do we need to know about the podcast? Um, it's great if you want to get your kids into reading more classic books that don't have, you know, like gay and trans characters in them and right. every other insane thing. Um, so the idea being that she makes it more approachable. It's already like gotten my daughter into it so that we can talk about books and, um, yeah, just generally like I think a great resource for families and parents and everything like that, but we'll let her talk about it and explain it too. Yeah. And when we get back after Faith... Um, we'll hit a little bit of the news. I mean, we're st- it's kind of a holding pattern since Thursday. It's still the same. The president, the Biden presidency is over. Just Democrats who don't quite know it now. But um, we'll save that for a little bit later. Here is Alice Shattuck introducing the great Faith Moore. Hi, we are joined tonight by Faith Moore, um, who we have previously talked to. She's the author of the book Christmas Carol, available from Daily Wire Publishing. Um, You can find it on Amazon or on their website. Um, But 
I'm so excited for Faith to be back on the Burn Barrel podcast um, because she has this amazing new podcast out that I love. And I've like strong armed my daughter and my husband and everybody else into listening to it. And I love this idea. Like I confess, I've like thought about doing things like this because my guilty pleasure is reading aloud to the kids. Like I think Mm. that's like 50% of the reason I had kids is so that I have a captive (laughs) audience of people to read aloud to. So now we're five kids in and like I get to read aloud to my heart's content, like at different levels. Um, But this podcast is a podcast where you read aloud and you've chosen to start with my absolute favorite novel, which is Jane Eyre. Um, And I've, unsuccessfully like tried to get my daughter to read this book she's 13 so Mm. like kind of like right at the edge of it being like readable by her but um it's a little bit of a tough book and it's a super slow burn um you know it's hard to gear up into especially if you're not used to the language so what i love about this is you read it aloud but you kind of um give little explanations you kind explain what's going on define hard words and my daughter went to me today she was like how does she know what all the things mean i was like i'm (laughs) guessing she probably reads a lot (laughs) so so this the podcast is called story time for grown-ups uh with faith Moore. and uh, as we talked about last time i think i'm not a big reader i've I've, it's criminal how we might have talked about that with faith's brother i've read or or maybe (laughs) faith's dad any 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 part of this uh, very any uh, of the family members, yeah. The family, yeah. Um, but I got to tell you that I've I'm just finishing on the podcast um, episode three, so channel I mean chapter three, yeah. and I found your notes. I would have been angry without the notes because I would have been <laughs> searching for what the hell does this mean? The references to the book that that the that Jane Eyre was reading as well. The notes are a right. huge help, a huge help, and. Um, where does that come from? Like, is that because you spent time as a teacher that, that, that you're doing that? Or what, what made you think to do that? Well, so the, the teacher part does play a role in why I decided to create this podcast. But it began with the fact that in my family, as you mentioned, I come from this very intellectual family. And in my family, it was very common for me as a child and a young adult to be handed some work of classic literature and told, you're going to love this. Read this uh, book. You're going to love it. And you know, my kids it would are be familiar like, with that. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. But it would be like Bronte or, you know, mm-hmm. Victor Hugo or, or you know, Jane Austen or something like that. And I would take the book and I would read the back and I would think, yes, this sounds great. I this sounds just right up my alley. And then I would open the book and start to read it and think, I, I don't understand this at all. I don't get this. The language, you know, the language is so dense sometimes and so old fashioned and strange mm-hmm. to us that it it doesn't paint the kinds of pictures in your mind that you need to have painted for you in order to kind of stick with it and, and keep going. And that's because I'm not the same level of intellectual that my <laughs> parents are, that my brother is. And so, you know, they were, they could read these books and completely understand them. And they didn't, quite understand that I couldn't, you know, and so Mm. I was always kind of upset by this. And I always felt like, oh, well, something's wrong with me. Why am I not able to understand these books? But now as an adult, I hear that a lot from people. 
You know, there's all these podcasts out there that talk to you about the classics. You know, right. they, I mean, my brother has one. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, my dad talks about the, these books on his show too. And, you know, lots of other people do. Um, and, you know, you always feel like, well, then I should go away and read them. And then you kind of feel ashamed <laughs> that you can't, you know, that it's, that yeah. you're struggling and you don't know what all these people are talking about. And so you just kind of have to make do with listening to the the public intellectuals kind of tell you what these books are about, but you don't actually get to read them yourself. And I started to think, well, I was able to mm. figure this out. Other people can too. How? What should I do? How can I help people to read these great books? Because we need to read these great books because they're yes. so important. We don't want to mm. lose them. But but we also should acknowledge that they're tricky and hard. And I think we don't acknowledge that enough because we're like, these are so great. And all the, the kids today, you know, they're just reading garbage, but they're hard. And mm-hmm. so the first idea I had was, well, could I translate them somehow into modern English? You know, could I <laughs> take these books and keep them exactly the way that they are, but somehow translate them. And I thought, no, that's a terrible idea because it's the language that creates the story and Mm -hmm. creates the characters and the ambiance and all of these things. If you took that away, then what would you be left with? And so that's how I came up with story time for grownups. I thought, oh, I used to be a teacher. This is coming back to the teacher thing. I used to be a teacher. I taught third and fourth grade for almost 10 years. And story time kind of Alice, like you were saying, I love to Mm -hmm. read to the kids. I love to read to my own kids now, but as a teacher, story time was my favorite Mm time of the day. And when you read aloud to kids, you do this, you stop from time to time to make sure they're still with you. You kind of define a word. If you, if you get to Mm -hmm. a word and you know, that's going to be tricky for them, you say, Oh, that this is what this means. You stop and say like a sentence, maybe that kind of sums up a passage. If the passage was particularly dense and I thought, Hey, I can do that for grownups. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm doing here. So this, the podcast is Season one is Jane Eyre, and then season two will pick another book. And each episode is one chapter of the book, which I just read aloud, like an audiobook. Mm. But I pause, as you say, I pause from time to time and I just tell you, oh, you know, that's what this word means. Or, you know, <laughs> Bronte likes to put a lot of French in her yeah. mm-hmm. in her novels and not translate it. So I'll just sort of translate that, or I'll, you know, there'll be long, as you say, there'll be sort of long passages about random things. And I'll just sort of say, oh, this is what she's talking about here. And it's designed to help you both understand the story as we go along, but also pick up on how to read this kind of language, because right. the yes. things that you learn here will help you in the next book. And eventually, in theory, you'll be able to read these books yourself. Oh, that's interesting, because, you know, obviously, the 1847 parlance is completely different than now. So if you hadn't mentioned, and I think it's like, paragraph four of page one, if you hadn't mentioned that nurse meant nanny, I right. would have been thinking in RN through the entire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so, right. Then there's no reason. I mean, people feel ashamed about this, but there's no reason why you should know that you don't, mm. you're not growing up in the mid 1800s. Why should you know that somebody's nurse is not in fact their medical practitioner, but their, right. their mm. nanny. Right. And, and I think that it's so natural the way you insert these things into the story. And I hadn't really thought about it before, but when I read aloud, I do that too. And it's normal when you do read aloud. And I think reading aloud is something that we like don't do 
enough of anymore. Like we don't have that social thing where we sit down and read together because there's so much else going on. Right. And it's like this lost experience. And it's like, of course, you read books with other people and you talk about them and you explain if they don't know. And like every time you watch like a Jane Austen movie, the family is sitting around reading things together. You know, that's so true. That's so true. And the other thing is that people are bad at it now. Mm -hmm. Like, if I don't know about you, but if I take my kids to like the read aloud, like the story time at the library right. or you know, at the bookstore or something, the read aloud lady is terrible. <laughs> like she reads in this monotone voice and, you know, she doesn't kind of do different voices for the different characters mm -hmm. and all the things that I'm doing when I'm at home with my kids. You're probably doing that, too. And I think part of this podcast is also that when you read aloud with the correct kind of inflections and pausing in the right places and the correct emphasis on the words that need emphasis, suddenly there's a whole bunch more sense that comes right. to you than when you're just kind of trying to read it all on your own or listening to someone who doesn't actually know how to read aloud properly read it. So that's part of it too, is that I think even if I wasn't explaining anything, if I was able to read it the way mm -hmm. that it's meant to be read with the correct kind of pauses and, and emphasis and things like that, I think that would be helpful too. I think we've kind of lost that art as well. Right, because even just for children's own development of their own reading fluency and their ability to understand language, it's it doesn't come perfectly naturally and you're able to understand stuff that's above your sort of natural reading aloud to yourself level if you hear somebody reading it aloud who does understand it. So it unlocks like these whole other worlds of books and I think too often there's so many kids out there that, you know, don't understand that there's all this stuff happening in books that there's like, I mean, I read like a crazy person when I was young because I just read everything. But and it's very hard to get kids to do that nowadays because you're competing with like a TV that just turns on and it's in front of you. And I think it's so hard to get kids to see like, you know, there there's this world that's inside this book and this whole adventure and this story. But because it has this like hump that you have to get over to get into it, or like I said, even about Jane Eyre, it's kind of like it has a very long beginning. It's a very it's a slow burn. It like builds yeah. up to this sort of to you know, this more gothic mystery and romance stuff that's that the book is sort of known for. But there's like the whole beginning part of the book that no one ever talks about to the part of very young Elizabeth Taylor stars in, in the exactly. Orson Welles version <laughs> yeah. of the movie, which yes. is like what I, the only thing I ever remember about yeah, it. The best version of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> of <laughs> of book, yeah. Um, but that's, you know, it's, it's very hard to get a kid to get over that hump. If you're trying to hand them this book and say like, read this book, I love it. I want to share this fun experience with you without the reading aloud aspect. And like people are busy and have busy lives and it, skip this. So I think it's so great that you've done this. And I'm like, it's so exciting to me, like sharing it with my daughter now, this experience of having this. And like you say, reading these books is so important. And I think a lot of people like that we talk to acknowledge that it's important that nobody has these frames of reference anymore for these, you know, Shakespeare quotes and, you know, Bronte and Dickens and, and all these different things aside from what people are forced to read in school. But it's a huge loss to our, you know, conversations with each other that we don't have a cultural frame of reference anymore. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's why we can't just let these things fall by the wayside and sort of say, well, they're old and, you know, outdated and who needs them and let's just read modern mm-hmm. stuff that we can't do that. And the reason we can't do that is because of what you're saying. These books, not just this one, but all of the whole canon right. of Western literature is actually the the underpinning of our culture and our society. And there are things that we just take for granted now that come to us out of this wealth of story and literature and plot and all right. of these things. And, you know, I mean, even so, as you say, Jane Eyre has at its heart this kind of gothic romance. And that idea of the kind of Byronic hero, which obviously it was invented mm-hmm. by Lord Byron, but Bronte is using here to great effect, mm-hmm. is essentially what we currently now would think of as the bad boy. Right. right. The trope of the bad boy. And why do we love why do we love boys who are bad and, you know, the, or the bad boy with a heart of gold or that kind of trope right. that we see and we see in our celebrities and we see in movies and stories today that comes from somewhere, you know, and it, it comes from these stories. And if we don't know that, then we lose something. You know, it's kind of like the tip of the iceberg without the rest. So the the um, podcast is story time for grownups. People should subscribe and leave a five star review. These reviews are are important. So this is I in like I said, I am not a great reader, but I love when Alice reads to us to the family, and we've read some great books, great books. And there's something about the intonation that that my wife Alice has, and that you have faith. Listening to you, I've only you know like I said, just I'm just kind of just getting into it, where. there's a special communication one you're reading with a smile and you can tell you're you're very positively and alice does this too very positively reading with a smile and it's a it's it makes for a very comfortable connection because you're reading to me you're reading Mm -hmm. to tom shattuck and everybody else you actually (laughs) i'm only reading to you i'm glad you're listening thanks it it feels (laughs) like it so it makes everything easy to um to absorb rather than like if we were listening to a book on tape of Jane Eyre, then with all of that sound and the horses clunking and is somebody in the in the parlor, you know, you know, playing a, a piano and all there'd be a lot going on. This I feel like there's a direct connection. I, I, I feel it in the positive aspect of it. It's also very comforting because this book starts off with really brutality in its like I don't know. I'm wondering, hearing this this brute uh, stepbrother, uh, without giving it away, if anybody hasn't read read a thing, uh, it, like I like, think the spoilers are out there. Okay, just <laughs> like, know, it's, it's actually point. really hard because normally I say this book has been around since 1847. Yeah. If you haven't read it yet, whatever. <laughs> Except that like people are reading it with me now, so I'm like, yes. oh wait, I, I don't really want to do spoilers. So we can do a spoiler alert here. Maybe. Okay, <laughs> okay. But, it, but, it's, but, alert. but it's a spoiler alert for chapter three. So I think yes, for chapter three, <laughs> it's really kind of like uh, it's really kind of brutal and sad. Um, it, it, and you know, it's it's more comfortable to take it being read by somebody who's positive and happy, etc. It's it's reassuring. I'm not going to be dealing with uh, with any untimely deaths in the next. Uh, I don't think the next chapter or anything. I don't think. I don't know. But it that communicating. You won't say anything now. Oh, oh no. <laughs> we have to revise this oh, the entire commentary when I'm done. Well, lis- listeners who are with me now, I'm about to drop episode ten. Listeners who are with me on episode ten might take issue with what you just said. But we'll just we'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, so let, let me ask you because I mean, this is a kind of podcast where people will get hooked, and you're you're you. So far, you're very consistent. Have you had people reach out and say, "Okay, let's drop episode ten, please, or eleven? Let's go." <laughs> yeah. Um. I well, yes, and I have been blown away by the response. You know, I mm. kind of thought the reason I picked Jane Eyre at all, I had two reasons. The but the first reason was that it's my favorite book of all time, and mm. I thought, well, if nobody listens to this podcast, at least I'll be reading a book that I like. Yeah. You know, because I really wasn't sure what the reaction was going to be. The second reason is because I think it kind of has something for everyone. And I wanted to pick something that people could really grab onto right away. But um, people have really been great. You know, I, I have a part of the show where I ask people to write in at the end with their questions and things that they want me to explain further. And, you know, I'm, I've been very pleasantly surprised to get several people writing to me every, every episode to ask questions and, oh, and we talk about it that way. And it's becoming, almost kind of like a book club where at the beginning of each mm. episode, I'll answer some questions and then there are developing themes at this point, you know, 10 episodes in there are sort of themes that are developing that we are looking at as we go along. Oh. Um, but people, I mean, people do want me to drop the episodes more, yeah. but as your listeners who listened last time I was on might may remember, I also have two small children at home yes. and write books and, you know, edit writing. Yes. So yeah. this, Twice a week is as pretty, I think that's as good as I'm going to get for now. Well, and actually, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity for all sorts of um, um, podcast listeners to network with each other and discuss the mm -hmm. stuff. They can do it on your Twitter mm -hmm. timeline or, you know. Well, you also might be secretly kind of tricking people because, like I said, the spoilers to Jane Eyre are out there. So, and the book is out there, it's available. So you might be kind of tricking them. Like if they're really desperate to know what happens, they could go pick up a copy. And, at, and people it. are doing that. People will come back to mm. me and say like, I cheated, I, I read ahead <laughs> and I found out what happened. And that's fine, that's great. You know, and, and there's a lot of people who already have read the book mm -hmm. who are just enjoying hearing it again and hearing the, the notes. Because there's a lot of, and I talk about this on the show a lot, there's a lot of things that you can really dive into about the book a lot of kind of arcane practices and, and words and, and things that are going on there that you actually don't need to understand in order to understand the book. And so you can have read the book several times and but listen to what I'm saying and learn new things, even if you completely understood the book to begin with, I am learning new things. You know, people write in and ask these questions and sometimes I don't know the answer and I have to go find out. And then I learned, right. I learned things that I didn't know before, which is cool. Are you able to, you say you're learning new things. Are you able to, while you're reading, 
So well, the next day you record, are you able to, while you're reading, fully comprehend and experience the storytelling yourself, even though you're doing the storytelling still? Yeah, um, yes. I this Maybe this is a trade secret or something, but I, I prep beforehand. I, you know, I, th I don't know if people know this, but I'm not, I'm not just kind of stopping wherever I think I should stop and, and mm. sort of talking about things as they come up. I make sure that I'm going to say the most pertinent things, the most helpful things in advance. So I, I have prepped that in advance. And so then I get to just read the story aloud and I'm there too. And <laughs> it's great because I am really excited for each episode to drop because I want to hear what people have to say, you know, this is a book that I love so much. I've read it an embarrassing number of times. I own an embarrassing number of copies of it. And now suddenly I have all these new people to talk about it with, which is great. So I'm always right. excited. You know, I've, I've recorded in advance. So, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm on chapter like 14 or something, right. but then suddenly mm -hmm. episode nine will come out and people are talking to me about nine. And I'm like, yes, great. I want to, I want to talk about that with you. So that's a cool part of it as well. Yeah. And I relate to that a lot because Jane Eyre is a book that I've loved, but like not that many people have read it because it's not really required in school by anyone. And so like, I mean, there's literature classics that kind of everybody's read, like The Great Gatsby and stuff. So people have that as a frame of reference, but like a lot of people don't know Jane Eyre at all. So it's so exciting. I'm like, oh, all these people are now going to know about this because Faith has this podcast. Welcome to the Jane Eyre Club, guys. Yes. No, I think it gets unfairly kind of tossed aside as just like a, a romance novel, which mm -hmm. it really is not. Um, it has a romance at its core, but Bronte is really exploring themes of religion, Christianity, spirituality, mm. womanhood, what it means to be a woman, um, what it means to be a good Christian. There's all kinds of things are going on in this book that are really important and that you could absolutely spend an entire literature class delving into just as much as The Great Gatsby or Dickens or anybody else. But I think because it has these gothic elements and because it has this kind of Byronic bad boy love story at its core, people are kind of like, oh, well, that's just a romance novel, but it's not. And I think, and I hope that throughout the podcast, as we delve into the themes, people will kind of see why it's not. Mm -hmm. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, didn't wasn't this originally published under a pseudonym as well? Because, yes. you know, people weren't going to read books written by, I don't even know how old she was at the time, but like, I think all, all of them died like before 30. So yeah. So her, yeah, she published it under the name Currer Bell. So as mm. a, a masculine name. And so nobody really knew who she was. And even the second edition, I think came out under, under Currer mm -hmm. Bell. So I think in her lifetime, um, I think in her lifetime, people maybe knew, knew who she was, but it certainly, came yeah. out under a pseudonym. But yeah. yeah, like, and I, I've always found that so fascinating, both about this book and Wuthering Heights, which her sister Emily Bronte mm -hmm. wrote, that like, these were two young women who did not have a seemingly from the outside any of these like big romantic worldly lives, <laughs> right? These are like, I don't know, 20 something women, you know, who are never, I don't think you did either of them ever marry? Yeah, Jane, um, Jane, Charlotte did Charlotte marry, did marry. And, then, and then unfortunately died, I think, giving birth. So right. she was married for a very short time. Right. So and, and that's what, like these are written by essentially it's like if 
you know, our daughter wrote the next like great American romantic novel. Like you would be like, where did this come from? Yeah, it's amazing. Although I will say that there are several autobiographical elements in Jane Eyre. Mm. Obviously, she didn't have a crazy, uh, mysterious romance with a Byron <laughs> man, but she did, you know, she did um, go, for example, she did go to a school like Lowood School and was very much affected by the conditions there and what was going on mm-hmm. um, with the, the children and, you know, the ways that they were treated there, et cetera. So, you know, she she is including elements of her life in this book and other books as well. So I think that, you know, yes, but you're right. I mean, it's amazing what what comes into the minds of people. And, you know, there are all these, all these sort of young, like John Keats, you know, all these kind of very young people who are able to just create these lasting works of, of you know, fiction or poetry mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. You're like, wow, what an internal life this person was yeah. having on this like seemingly exactly. calm exterior. Like you never yes. know, I guess. But yeah, and that's it's so great that you're unlocking this world for people of of all these books, because I don't know, we were just talking about this on our show today. We're going to release this interview on the next show. But people who listened to our last show, we were just talking about how like we uh, are losing the cultural frame of reference for Christianity mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. recently someone was in the news talking about the Sistine Chapel ceiling and was like, oh, I don't even know who God's supposed to be reaching out to. Is that David or something? Wow. And yeah, and, so like, I know, but like people don't know anything about like their mm-hmm. own culture anymore. And it's, it's kind of incredible that, you know, you just, you wonder how many generations it will take to just be gone if people don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's part of why I'm doing that. This that's part of the reason is that you know we, I think, those of us who care that these things don't fall by the wayside, mm-hmm. are often being told by the people who do read these things, like the right. intellectuals of the world, the public intellectuals. You know, they're often being told, you know, read these books because we don't want to lose them. Read read them, mm-hmm. and then they they secretly can't read them. They're hard. They're old. Mm. They, they mm-hmm. don't resonate. As you say, like this book, for example, it, yeah, it has a really slow burn, a slow start. And then there are sections of it where, you know, if you're not right. kind of aware of like why these pieces are in there, you're kind of like, oh, can we get back to the part? Yeah, the, you know, there's well, a reason why the things on the New York Times bestseller list sell more copies because they're like ex- exactly. easier to read. Exactly. And, and it lets me real, like even people like us who care about them, like I'm not picking up the Riverside Shakespeare and like going through and reading these things, you know, it's just not like the way people's lives are. Yeah. And I think secretly, a lot of us think, you know, either we think we've read them or we're just using kind of like essentially the the Sparknotes version that we're getting from different podcasters or different kind of public intellectuals. We're getting, we're using that information to act as if we've read these books because these books are too hard for us or we don't have the time or we're not, Mm. you know, we're not readers or whatever. And I think that's fine. It's good to at least feel like these are important and worth preserving. But I also think, wouldn't it be great if we could read them ourselves and actually know what we're, what we're saying. And I think for a lot of us, and this is, I include myself here because of my experience that I was talking about before as a child, a lot of us need help. 
Right. And I hope that this is the help mm. that we need. You know, as as somebody, I, I walk a lot. So today I walked like eight or nine miles, and I I listen to a whole a bunch of podcasts. Almost all of them are political podcasts, including right. a, uh, Andrew Clavin's podcast, who's face dead. Um, and so it's it's all the time, the whole way. It is um, it's politics, it's budget stuff, it's global affairs, it's the all that noise. And so listening to your to you read is such a nice reprieve and there's also something else to it on these walks we live up in way north of boston in horse country so it's a lot of pretty meadows a lot of uh deer in in um in in fields and tom has otters that he visits there's some otters day. in a pond near me and don't tell my brother but that's nice oh it's so it's fantastic there's all sorts of animals around here and and it's just be it's so nice to think that i've got something to listen to now that's more tranquil and more serene then you know it talks oh yeah i've of- told tom i can't do all the politics podcasts because by the time we do our podcast which is politics i'm like right. uh, i'm done <laughs> i've like had enough for the day yeah no i mean i think that's probably what most people are listening to mm. politics maybe some sports right maybe mm-hmm. you know but things that are happening now you know the what's what's in the news what's my sports team doing you know what what are my favorite kind of talking heads saying ab- about the news and about the my sports team you know and i think I am someone who doesn't really follow politics that much. Mm. I mean, I kind of know what's going on. And obviously my family kind of keeps me up to date. But I would much rather be reading an old book than listening to whatever is going on right now. And, you know, that may be bad for my current <laughs> events knowledge. But I also Good for think your mental that, state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's good for my mental state. And I, you know, like I was saying, I, this... This, I started this podcast because I wanted people to have some way to get into these books. But the thing that surprised me is how much I'm enjoying it because mm. people are reading these books. You know, I spend my time reading books. That's what I do, I'm reading and writing books. And But most people are not doing that because they have lives. And suddenly people are here with me reading along and, and having amazing thoughts about these books and things that I I hadn't thought of before either. So and now we're having these conversations back and forth where forth where people write to me and then I talk to them on the podcast and it's great. So I I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, we're grateful that you're doing it and it's bringing new conversations into our house. I encourage everybody to check it out. And once again, it's called Storytime for Grownups. It's by Faith Moore. Um you can also check out her book that she wrote, Christmas Carol. Um but definitely go listen to this. I'm excited because I'm going to now get to talk about it to so many more people. So this is very beneficial to me (laughs) as well. It's very self-serving. And um, as always, it was really a pleasure having you on, Faith. And we look forward to talking to you more in the future. Yes. Thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, Faith. There we go. Faith Faith Moore. What a pleasant, lovely person, isn't she? Yes, she's awesome. We love her. And this is a good thing. Even for DUM people like myself who have not read too many books. <laughs> it's really good for DUM people. Yeah. It's great. It's very pleasant. Follow the podcast. We'll have all the face information as well. Uh, so, Alice, I'm understanding we missed an incredible CBS Open to the Super Bowl just seconds ago. Didn't I say we should be recording because something could happen in the beginning that's going to be interesting yeah, and newsworthy? Yeah, we we're not recording. Okay. Well, see. Maybe I it'll be on the United States, too. Okay, so the Sunday shows... And you were like, what do you mean? We don't need to record. We're going to watch it live. So the Sunday shows... I figured when they said it starts at 6.30, they meant it starts at 6.30. (laughs) Um, The Sunday shows were the media still in shock. 
trying to reconcile. It really, to me, looks like trying somebody going over a trauma and not wanting the real reality of the trauma to sink in. It's like, well, no, I, I wasn't just violently mugged. Like, I wasn't just violently mugged. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. It, it is what you think it is. It is. This, the, this president, essentially what you had is the special counsel essentially put out a signal that, uh, okay, I'm in trouble here. Under duress, either whether it's from outside sources or because I don't want to be this part of history, I am going to not indict President Biden for something that he should be indicted for. Right. And so that's why he put out the thing, okay, if I'm going to shirk my responsibilities, I at least have to find a flimsy reason why I'm doing it. Okay, so we're not doing it because his mind is too addled and no jury will prosecute him because he's nuts. He's right. lost his mind. So that's essentially, that's the compromise that is this thing. For people to say that, you know, that this has been these attacks, ad hominem attacks on Biden by this special counsel, et cetera. What are they, what are they using? What are they calling these attacks? Um, they're saying they're uh, gratuitous. Gratuitous, yes, exactly. In fact... They this thing exonerated Biden legally, and it wasn't supposed to. But the guy who did it, who was obviously cajoled to do it, mm-hmm. but had think- to, you know, live with himself. So mm-hmm. he said, "Okay, we're going to give him a buy for this, a pass for this, even though I don't believe in it, but only because here's the flimsy reason why." But here it is, everybody. He did it. He absolutely had these documents. He's as guilty as anybody. If they try to go after Trump for this and don't drop the, drop, drop the Trump charges, right? you're going to have a problemo. Biden is done. His mind is done. Democrats just don't have a land pla- fa- a path for him. Well, right. And here's the thing. So the documents case was always kind of the best case against Trump mm-hmm. out of all the ones that they have on him. That's like the most substantiated one because he definitely had these things. There's recordings of him talking about them, <clears throat> etc. But now that it turns out that there's all the same stuff with Biden and the, in recordings. The re- and recordings of Biden being interviewed about it and, and an author saying he as had well, classra- the ghostwriter, all of this. Right. Like He's not like Trump in the sense that, hey, look at my plans for Iran, but he's not far off. Right. In the in the left, you this is why it's so tough for them, because they used the exceptional nature of Trump's infractions to show you that no, this can't be ignored. Mm-hmm. Now we find Biden did all the same thing, so now they're stuck. Right. So they, in giving Biden an out, the only out they could find to give him was he is too broken. His brain is too broken to be held responsible for this, and and. <clears throat> So, you know, they're all going out here and saying it's gratuitous and it's political and all this stuff. You know, Kamala Harris is say, has been out here saying it. It's absolutely ridiculous. That's crazy. I talked to him all these times. They're doubling down on it, which is nuts to me. But it's funny. So I tend to be of the belief, and I think many of our listeners are too, that they're doing this to get Biden out so they can put somebody else in. But I also tend to... I thought that more so before this weekend when there are so many of them that have doubled down on it, or maybe those are just the people that haven't got the memo and aren't in on the plan yet. Right. You know, maybe Kamala's doubling down on it because the people that want Biden out also want Kamala out. Because if you're going to replace Biden with somebody at the convention, you do not want it to be Kamala Harris. Right, absolutely. So Biden is kind of her meal ticket, so maybe that's why she's <laughs> in that role. But 
you know, it's interesting. I think it bears a lot of comparisons to the Comey Clinton stuff just because oh, I totally. think Comey was also in a position <laughs> where it was like he was going to be accused of influencing the election if he didn't say something about the Hillary Clinton stuff. And then they were so furious at him for saying anything when the Anthony Weiner laptop stuff showed up at the last well, minute, right? That he had to do something. I don't remember. Re remember, mm -hmm. not only that, but Comey in that summer, when he read all of the crimes, he laid out plainly, and the left was very mad about this, he laid out all this stuff she was guilty of. And then, much like this, where they tagged on the fact that Biden's non-compensamentous, with Hillary, he said, this, though, shows that she didn't have intent. Her intent wasn't malicious in having the server and having all the emails. Her mm -hmm. intent wasn't malicious. So he assigned intent to her, where with Trump, they've assigned, they've assigned senility to him. Right. As why we're not moving forward. Both are way out of line for the Department of Justice to be doing, especially like Comey, who is not the attorney general. But no, it's a, once again, it was a compromise. We're not going to indict our guy because this is our guy, but we can't just let him go because there are also field agents who put a lot of work in here. And those field agents, along with, with Comey then, were p absolutely pissed off at him for doing that. So he had to give them something. And that's why when the Wiener computer came, he was like, all right, I can't, I can't hold back the dogs. These field agents actually have been working hard on this email stuff. Right. So when he sold them down the river, you know, he knew he had to do it artfully. And that's what this is, indicting without indicting. Right. But the only thing is now, you better indict without indicting Donald Trump, too. Right. You can't have him out there, oh, he's still got 41 indictments against Yeah, it's all bull, okay? Well, and here's the thing that's tough. And, and By the way, I we're think, at about an hour. So. I know. We'll... we'll and I think there's a couple shot chat messages, so we'll okay. do those um, quickly. But just to, you know, kind of finish this up, I think it's a symptom of a broader problem, which is that our institutions aren't working anymore and the people in charge don't like trust the American people and the institutions to do the right thing like electorally mm -hmm. so just like the legislature has like outsourced all their decision making because they don't trust the people who elected them mm -hmm. to actually make laws and all that stuff that they are elected to do um they you know they've outsourced it all to the executive branch and these agencies that aren't accountable and to the supreme court to make decisions that legislatures should be making just like that they're now trying to outsource elections to judges in the case of like colorado and mm -hmm. to the doj they're trying to get the doj uh, both parties are frankly right now you know, they're trying to, or not both parties, it's not that both parties are trying to use the DOJ because only one party really has that kind of institutional right. control, but they're, they're trying to get the DOJ to get both Trump and Biden out of the presidency. Yeah, it seems like that. Like, because they don't trust the American people to elect people, right? Or they're no. trying to get the Supreme Court to take people off ballots. They're trying to do everything they can to avoid letting people pick the next president. Right. And like we said... People will start will try to say, well, Biden cooperated, um, and Trump, you know, was debating going back and forth with the National Archives. Biden had some of the stuff since 1977, so Biden had some of the stuff for 45 years, illegally, as a senator, not allowed to take the stuff home, and the other stuff he had for years too. The, the VP, he had no, so you can't assign that kind of thing to Trump without assigning it to Biden. Biden absolutely had no right to this stuff, <clears throat> okay? Um, two, if they want to say Trump was 
uh, obstructing justice, then charge him with obstructing justice if that's what he's doing by not by giving them haggling right. with him. But they didn't. They've got him. They charged Trump with having these documents, just like they charged Biden. This is null and void. Mm-hmm. These are the two realities that the left's going to have to realize and is going to have to execute very sh- shortly. One, Biden's done. He cannot run for president. He is done. Right. Two. So, and someone the, on Twitter was the saying Trump to case you, is over. Someone on Twitter was saying to you, like, you're wrong about this. Biden's still president. Mm-hmm. And like, I think Trump <laughs> continued to be president. Like, it's even right. possible that he could be realized. But this is just not like. No, it's over. Yeah, you're right. It is. It is for all purposes. It is over. There just needs to be some formalities now that right now people are too stunned. Right. To go to like when when JFK got shot, Jackie didn't move out of the White House that night. It was a little, <laughs> she needed a little time. But it is like it is crazy because we did listen to some of these Sunday shows and they had the Biden flax going out here being like, oh, that's ridiculous. He's as sharp as he ever was. He's so sharp. He's grilling the aides on all these details, all this stuff like a bunch of the people that are paid to go out there and lie about this are doing it. And it's fascinating because it's like such an easy thing to dispel mm-hmm. if you want to dispel it, right? They're like, oh, Trump's not getting any of this stuff. And he mixed up Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley's name. Yeah. When Trump goes out there and talks off the cuff for four hours at a rally, like he gets some names wrong, right? Like right. they hide Biden away and then they pop him out for a 10 minute press conference. Right. And he sounds like he can't say any words straight and he is confused about whether Mexico is on the border of Gaza. Oh, like, totally. You know, that like, was the press conference to prove he had his mind together. In right. that one, in that stage, he melted and broke down. Right. So this would be a really easy thing to prove. If he can go out and talk for two hours can extemporaneously and not need notes and just be talking and, you know, off the yes. cuff with people, then, then let him do it. And people will see exactly how great his mind is, if his mind's so great. But the fact that they won't do that shows you that they all absolutely know that it's true. Right. They and for them to say, him. for Jen Psaki to say, you know, today's a Super Bowl. I mean, he, he, it's okay that he's not doing it. People just want to eat chicken wings during the Super Bowl. Well, no. But by the way, anytime the president has a huge captive audience, they take advantage of it generally. They're not doing it yeah. now because they can't. Because he's not ready for it. Yeah. Because it's an interview and he can't be on his back feet. The other thing is this, that like Chris Coons was saying, we just got done when uh, at Camp David with Joe Biden a, a couple months ago, and my Republican colleague was saying, wow, this guy has so much energy, and he's so sharp. And it's like... Was the Republican colleague Adam Kinzinger? <laughs> well, the, here's the thing is, like, they're trying to make Biden out to be better than the person he ever was. Right. Like, he, he wasn't in the 80s. He was a big dolt, too. He also <laughs> wasn't a group project manager then, and, uh, like, he right, was he's a liar. Mr. That- like, stand-up <clears throat> Chuck and, like, a totally. three-letter word, J-O-B-S. Totally. Like... But they've got him in, 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 it's totally insulting to people. <clears throat> don't, don't, it's, you know what it is? It's Biden-esque. My son, Bo, my son Hunter's the smartest man I know. It's like, okay, dude, I understand you're tolerating the crackhead, but don't give us the smartest man you know thing about that guy, okay? It's like the smartest man you know doesn't throw out a gun near a school. <clears throat> um, so they're trying to, to, to uh, retail this stuff. It's too much. And on the other side, it's also, well, very much, it's Trumpian, too, because that's, like, that's the kind of stuff Trump says about himself, that he has 180 IQ, that he's going to get, like, it's, 
It's so funny how much they steal the Trump playbook, but they do it in Washington East, so to them it's not very acceptable. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I love that they were all doing on the Sunday shows, which is fascinating to me because it shows that they're all still in 2016, was they were doing this song and dance about how Trump said this about NATO countries, that if they don't pay their fair share of their like NATO dues, that he's going to tell Putin he can do whatever he wants to them. Like, which, so they were all doing the like... Trump said this really shocking thing. I can't believe that he actually told Putin to come hurt our NATO yep. allies. All this stuff. Like, first of all, that's not what he said. Well, but that's also conditioning. But- that's the media conditioning audiences. That's him saying, listen, you right now, you've got Trump leading the polls, voters. Be shocked about this. You should be upset. This is the kind of thing that you want to be shocked about. And then he attacked Nikki Haley's husband. Be shocked about that. He's over, sir. She's serving. It's like all he said is, where's Nikki's husband? He didn't insult him. And also, the special counselor didn't insult Bo Biden. Right. Like, <clears throat> how inappropriate for him to say this about Bo Biden. Like, he didn't do, he just said that Joe Biden doesn't know what years things are happening in. Well, yeah, like, which is, that's not and an insult actually, to Bo Biden. It's, and it's also like right on point because Joe Biden uses a false narrative about Bo Biden's life repeatedly, routinely. Mm-hmm. Whenever Joe Biden's responsible for the death of American troops, he says, my son died in combat, too. It's like, what? Yeah. it's, <clears throat> And then he has the nerve to tell other people they're not allowed to talk about Bo Biden. Yeah. The guy's it's only your a, business when he died. He's like, just done. Put Kamala in to in, try to pump her up and just do that song and dance. I do believe that there is a version of Kamala that could be rehabbed. I mean, she wasn't... I, although people, She'd have to w- want to do the work, and yeah. she doesn't. No. No. She wants the life the Obamas have now without doing the in-between step of having to be president for eight years. Yes. All right, Alice, uh, uh, guess what is the hot sauce? That's the Chelsea Fire Wicked hot sauce. Uh, they bring us the Chelsea Fire Wicked hotline where you can leave a chat chat message. Oh, a message from show. Nikki Haley, Alice. Nikki Haley, wow. that's excellent. This is the first time. I don't think I've ever, ever I don't think I've met her. That's possible. Tom, yeah. Alice is more funnier than you. What? Pardon me, uh, Governor Haley, Ambassador know. Haley. I do not think that's true. I don't know that I want that compliment from Nikki Haley. I'm not sure she has a great sense of humor. Oh, it's because this is a you gals all came together. That is, that yeah. is, Nikki, I am... Is it am... because of my jokes about my high heels being bullets? Oof. <laughs> that is tough. I'm glad you don't have that. I'm glad you don't have that. Dr. Cheswick, and then there's a personal shot in this one. It says, parentheses, pause for Tom to step on. How dare you. Woe betide you. Where, where were you, Steve? Uh, last night, down the hen house, a lot of PBRs going around. Thank you, Steve from Merrimack. Oh, for your rant about Tom stepping on. Pause for Tom to step on. That's a lie, scurrilous. On the phone calls, I, I appreciate it. We should stick together. No, because yeah, Tom has the attention span of a gnat. <laughs> Anytime he has, that's a really small-brained animal. <laughs> That's one of the smaller brains out well, there. Well, with Faith Moore's help, you'll soon you will work your attention span that, up. Does a that bit. begin with G? Yes, G N A T. Why? Why does it begin with G? <laughs> Has some fleeting memory of some woman being remotely interested in him. He, for some reason, brings it up to Alice. Oh, like yeah. He has to prove it to her. Yes. This has not been. Have I not been obvious about this? This comes from a place of 
um, inadequacy. I can't wait for people to psychoanalyze the beginning of this episode. Oh, yeah. You spend the entire thing talking about how you talked to a really beautiful woman at a bar who's mm-hmm. divorced uh, about our sex life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing. It's funny because we said we talked about so much that we actually, us three, her, our neighbor, and me never really have to get together again. You're done? We're done. We said everything. That he used to be desirable to people. 1995, desirable. <laughs> uh, for some of 2002, I was desirable. It was only two years. Pause for Tom to step on this, too. <laughs> it's, that's you, absolutely you incorrect. When in reality, he hit the goddamn lottery when yeah. he married her. I, which I talked about last night at the bar, at the at the uh, hen house, as a matter of fact. I t- well, explicitly, I told him how I hit the lottery, which is something I cannot actually say. Although, you No, pro- okay. you can't. You have it all. Eh. What are you? What are you doing? Also, Tom, yeah. when you were going over the uh, the Biden cuts from um, Thursday, yes, you missed something that what? he said. He said he spoke to the Mexican president yes. about Gaza. Did we miss that? You made a good point about that. Yeah, no, I talked about this because everyone's like, oh, he mixed up the names of the Mexican president and the Egyptian president. But no, he said. Sisi, the president of Mexico, about stuff with Gaza. He didn't mix up the name of the guy. He got the name of the guy right. He mixed up. He wasn't talking about like our border. He was. He thinks Mexico is on the border of Gaza. He mixed up the actual right. countries, Mexico and Egypt. Not like. Right. I mean, you can mix up a name of a person, but I think most people know that Mexico and Egypt are different places, Mexico and they're is not, not like in that each area. Other. They're not like each other. <clears throat> right. And how he wanted the gate open between the two borders. Yes. The Mexican president. That's what he said. Yes. I just want him to be in there until the election. And I want my dad, who's 89 now, to live through November so he can just vote one extra vote for Trump. That's all I want. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Most places you can early vote, too. So you might only you might only have to make it till October. But I think, obviously, I want him to live longer. Yes. Clean that up, Alice. <laughs> but thank you guys all for listening. Um, go enjoy the big game, since you're not allowed to use the words. I have 3127 Swifties. Thoughts? Mm, I, I'm not going to predict the score. Thanks for playing along. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Chiefs, though, as we know, just for Taylor. Um, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, appreciate you, and we will do a Patreon show tomorrow. C'est la vie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.